Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I'm Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about The Deuce, Season 3, Episode 4, it is called They Can Never Go Home. So full spoilers for the episode, as always. And we did a lot of theorising, uh, probably yep. all throughout the first couple, couple of episodes, about where certain characters might end up. And what's weird is I feel like this episode did something we expected much earlier but with a different spin, but also did something else that we expected and talked ourselves out of and then it's just done it the way we originally thought it may happen, uh, which is Frankie met his, his timely end uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, yep. Final shot of this one is Frankie lying there dying as Vincent holds him, as the camera um, pulls back and the bass comes in. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think it's the first time this season that the uh, that final shot has really worked for me. Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, you know, the, the season itself, it, it hasn't been bad, nothing like that. Um, but the final shots have not had the impact that I felt in previous seasons until this episode. So... Yeah, and Frankie is making all sorts of enemies. It was not Rudy who was behind it, although there's a running theme throughout the episode that Rudy's not happy that he's not getting a cut of this uh, this movie business that he's yeah. involved in. Uh, he hears it from he hears it from uh, uh, I, I, Irene. <laughs> so to say the right one, uh, you know, at the shop, who's kind of trying to convince him, and then from Bobby of all places, uh, which I just want to mention this scene briefly because Bobby says, "No, I don't want a slice of the apple pie that has melted cheese on top." Uh, which sounds disgusting to me, to be honest. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Bobby. Yeah, um, he's like, I don't want that. Um, I'm trying to, you know, lose a few pounds. But I couldn't help but notice as soon as he said that, I looked at his plate that he was eating from, and it was like two giant waffles and lots of fried chicken. And I'm like, Bobby. Yeah, but but to be fair, <laughs> it wasn't that plus an apple pie covered in cheese. I know, but that's like. That's like getting a Diet Coke with a Mars bar. Like, there's no point. Just because there is. No, just because it's better than having a, a regular Coke in a Mars bar doesn't change the fact that you're still not being healthy. Quit it. Stop pretending. No, no, it, it's better. It's not the best, but it is factually better. No, it's ridiculous. It's delusional to think that he's going to lose any weight eating that, 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 that meal that he's having. He, to be fair... He might, if it is, if that's significantly less than what he usually eats. You don't know that. Of course you're defending this. You have the world's worst goddamn diet. Of course do, yeah. you're trying to stick up for this. It's it's wrong. You're wrong. Deal with it. Um, so, yeah, so eventually the, the, the other guy who's at the drug deals uh, comes back to complain about the, uh, the, the drugs again. And Frankie just lets his attitude get in the way again. Um and you know throws the money at him, tells him to get lost, and I'm like, damn, like it's not even just Rudy at this point. He's making enemies from all angles, and this is right after, of course, we have the the birthday cakes because it's Frankie and Vince's birthday, um, and it's not the first time we've had them have a birthday. You know, we we heard the one more trip round the sun for the Martino brothers. That was a a callback, uh, yeah. to before, and you know, it, like it plays well enough, but ultimately he goes outside and they start shooting at him, and it does this thing actually. The episode really. It, it almost hides that he's been hit for the longest time because, you know, he's, he's running back up to the club. He's trying to make his way in. He's like, buying the door, let me in, let me in. Yeah, and when he runs and in... Adrenaline's going, so you f- he's acting 
no, as normal as, as it could be. Yeah, he runs in, and you can actually see he's been hitting the leg as soon as he comes into the hallway, uh, sort of leading to the club. And I'm like, oh, yeah. he's been hitting the leg, so he's actually been hit. All right, cool. And then he collapses, and then, you know, Big Mike comes over, and we see that he's actually also bleeding from his stomach. Like, he's actually yeah, been hitting the abdomen. Bad. And it's like, oh, shit, this is actually maybe serious. And, of course, Frankie, you know, Vincent comes running out and speaks to Frankie, and it's, it becomes very clear that this is his last dying words. Like, he, he's on his way out right now. Uh, which is where we get this big fail shot. So uh, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, talking about something stupid. Yeah, yeah, but this makes a lot of sense. It book it bookmarks the ep- or bookends the episode. Sorry, uh, with Melissa's exit. So we've had two characters exit the show uh, at the start and the end of this episode in very different ways. And I think this this season largely is going to be about exits because you know even if it's not until the very final scene of the last episode, ultimately everyone's leaving the show uh, in, a, in a way. Well, yeah. So. But I think this episode is about exits and where characters are leaving from here. And I think it's interesting that Melissa is going off with her father to maybe have a new, fresh start of life. You know, yeah. might go better. And of course, there's a debate that's brought up where Vincent tries to talk to the dad about, you know, let let the past lie and just sort of live life as it is now and uh, be happy. And there's just that hint that, you know, maybe he can't quite... like. Maybe, that doesn't mean he's going to be mean to her or have a strenuous relationship, but there's just that kind of response from him that kind of says... I can never truly like be okay with everything that's happened and the yeah. way she's been treated and what what's been happening here, um, and you know you know the final line is you know when the roommate says oh she's got to go home and it's like nah they can never go home not really like she might physically be there she may have a new life there but now it's it's not the same but it's not going to be what it, what it was before she left the first time it never will be yeah it's interesting the way that applies to different characters in this episode because I mean you could say the same about Laurie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you know she comes back to New York, and well, she's you know I don't think she's from New York if I'm recalling right. Uh, no, she arrived in season one. She arrived. I thought that was her. Yeah. Um. But you know that was very much home for her for you know years, and it was where she you know became who she was now. Uh, yeah. No, it's she... not the same this time. Yeah, we we got her, and then obviously, so like I say, you got Frankie leaving at the end, and. I think both these characters' endings are kind of what we expected, and maybe there's a there's almost a poignant message there of like, nah, their ending. There's no swerve here. Like, yeah, he was always kind of doomed, and that's the way it went. And she, well, maybe it wasn't always destined to do this exact thing, and maybe it's a happier ending than we expected. It's an ending we may have considered, you know, much much like. Uh, uh, you know, last season we had a similar kind of story of someone getting out of the life and someone moving on to something else. So. You know, it's playing with those things, and you know, to go to Laurie next, then since you brought her up, uh, she, she's back in New York because she's got an audition for a movie. Uh, it turns out to be a horror movie. There's a serial killer in it from the audition. Yeah, we hear. Yeah, um... uh, but she's uh, we see that she's learned to play guitar. She's clearly interested in and in going up and doing some music, and she's she's getting lessons, and we see that. She sucks at it because uh, we predicted last week that you know we'd have a scene this this sometime this season, probably near the end, that she goes up on that stage and has her moment. But I think the way it swerved this year is that 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 is not the end of her story. It is merely just a step in her story of disappointment because she goes up, she does this, she doesn't even play guitar. She's like, I'll just sing, and you know the, the other guy can play guitar. Yeah. She she doesn't do that great. I mean, she's not terrible. She, she's not terrible. It's just the the crowd don't really give a shit. Yeah, they don't really respond to her. It's basically her, you know, manager, boyfriend, dude, uh, and her actual agent, who yeah. who are there, and they they kind of cheer. 
and you know she she leaves the the room she tells her agent hey okay i'll do whatever you want because clearly i can't do anything else this is a demoralizing thing we we were expecting this to be the uplifting ending to her story where she does find some happiness and this is something she wants to do but in actual fact it's this reminder that she can't actually i mean as to say that she definitely can't do anything else but that's how she feels she takes it as this hit it is and and this is the last straw after all the stuff that happened in new york not just the audition but but everything else yeah um, yeah, because the audition doesn't go super well. Uh, she doesn't sound excited by what the movie yeah. is when she hears about it. No. Uh, the, the, the boyfriend's very annoyed because he was told that, hey, bring her out, and it's it's a lock, and you know it's some old friend of his, and and that you know didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen. And uh, Big Mike ends up uh, seeing her on the street and sort of like goes and consoles her when she's looking upset. Brings her to the club, and Vincent starts like sort of trying to catch up with her, and she's very upset. It's quite uh, sweet at first. Yeah, and you know he sends the others out because it becomes this kind of private thing because he starts dancing with her and you know things start getting hot and heavy and, go, and i think it's an interesting read for both characters in this scene as to why they're both doing this like because from her point of view uh this is almost like like, like you were saying kind of a piece of home it's someone who's actually treating her differently than everyone else um because because vincent in this scene is, is just kind of there for her benefit he's not he's not trying to exploit her or, or anything no, like that. no but it's it's uh it's very familiar for her, this. Yeah. Uh, and likewise, Vincent has kind of motivation in this scene because of what happened in his plot, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But, you know, ultimately it has this this awkward ending where it's about to get going, and he, he pulls out a condom, and she's like, wait for a blowjob? What are you doing? He's like, oh, it's going around. It's, oh, sorry, you've not been in New York. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And she gets very offended because it's like, oh, wait, you think I would have that. You think that it's, I'm... It's a, oh, you don't trust me. I am yeah. just a whore, is, is, is kind of how she feels. Yeah, uh, and and she leaves. It's a it's a really sad scene because you, you you almost feel really happy for both of them because they're both in kind of rough places at this point in the episode. I mean, Vincent's pretending he's not, but he kind of is. Oh, he is. Yeah, uh, and it, it, it's kind of this really bittersweet uh, moment where it kind of breaks down, and it's like, yeah, she can't come home again. Um, and the weird thing for Vincent is that he maybe can go home again because a big part of his plot this season is that. You know, his wife is, you know, not who she was back in season one. And they've both kind of grown and they've grown up a little bit. And there's clearly an attraction again between them. And we see that again back at the birthday scene where it's uh, Vincent and Frankie. And we get a moment where literally, you know, Frankie says to his wife, oh, the first birthday dance goes to my wife. And Vincent's left there at the bar and literally his ex-wife and an Abby are sitting side by side. Just yeah. with smirks in their faces waiting to see who who, who gets picked. And of course, Abby subverts it and asks her to dance. So, so they dance together. Saves him the, the awkwardness. Yeah. So he just kind of watches smelling as, they, as they're dancing. Like they're kind of like playing up a little bit. But it does actually kind of neatly, like her smirk as she does this and winks at him, is kind of a neat little thing because the whole plot with them in this episode is that he comes home and she's with the the woman that she kind of fell for last episode. This art artist that she's been seeing. Yeah. And. At first, I actually assumed what she did. I assumed, oh, maybe she forgot to put the thing in the door. And he's came in and caught him. He's like, no. Nah. Easily done, right? Yeah. But it turns out, no, he he was just too tired. He had to come in and sleep. He's like, I'll, I'll sleep on the couch. It's fine. Which is not awkward at all, right? <laughs> I'll sleep on the couch while you're having sex with someone else. Yeah. Um, and there's a moment where he, you know, when he sees it's a woman, it's very awkward. And he kind of tries to, I mean, I'll just go to sleep. I mean, unless you you want an extra helping hand i mean uh, i like girls and they yeah, kind of just yeah they just kind of stare him away because uh, you know it's this intimate thing between them and he, you know and they kind of laugh afterwards and it feel I, I do kind of feel bad for him and i think abby does as well because abby the next night when she's out with her 
and you know you know the artist says hey why don't you come back to mine and just stay all night and not, don't go home you know abby makes a point of calling vincent and we don't actually get to hear all the phone call it's actually kind no, of interesting and but her reason as well is is like hey you know he he's kind of upset I, i'll just you know actually tell him so he's not expecting me you know yeah. it's it's again she's very concerned about him but we don't get to hear the, the phone call and at the end of the phone call can we just we hear the tail end of him just saying go have fun but he does sound a little bit agitated this is this is right as laurie right before laurie comes in yeah uh, so again, the setup here for for that scene is that he's feeling more and more alienated from Abby, and as much as it was fine for them to have this open relationship for a long time, it's starting to reach this point, and we can see it with Abby. We see it with you know them two in the, the taxi when when you know they're just, they're just doing it in the back of the taxi as opposed to waiting to get anywhere. We see that this that feels a bit more meaningful, like, like that she's actually falling for this person. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about it is that for the rest of the episode, Abby does kind of like, you know, because again, it's subversive expectations because he comes in in the morning, like we've seen him do a couple of times, both this season and last, and goes to sleep next to her and tries to put his arm around her. And she kind of like throws it away and gets up and he's like, oh, just stay. And it feels like this cold kind of rejection that kind of plays into his feelings in the episode up until this point. But then she shouts, close your eyes, and she walks out with a little birthday cake. And yeah. it's like, oh, this it's is actually nice. sweeter than yeah. we were expected in this scene. And you know, then and, she and then lies next to him. Yeah. yeah, but again, it feels sad. Yeah, you know, even after that, you know, it feels like okay, they both know this isn't really work. Yeah, yeah. Like, she, she, I mean, they know it's kind of over, and she's she's doing this because she still cares about him, but it's definitely not what it was. It's de- they're definitely yeah, definitely moving to different places, and you know, she she's. And again, you know, he kisses her at the you know after they blow the candles and the cake, and the ex-wife is just watching with that look in her eye, like you know, a bit of jealousy. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, maybe it's too obvious to suggest that he'll end this season, you know, going back with his wife and kids and living out that family maybe. life that he I, wants. I think but... you know the the question that that Vincent needs to ask at this point is, okay, you know, which one is home? Because I say, you know, you say, oh, maybe he can go home, and I think he could still potentially either way well something we've been talking about since season one is this idea that he's eventually going to have to get out of this crime world that he's kind of locked into and with the, his brother being killed at the end and you know things that we know are going to be changing you know in the area soon like is, is it almost the wise choice for him to leave uh, around now or soon and the mm-hmm. question i suppose becomes does he get out in time does he get to go and have his happy ending or does he go down with the ship yeah kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Um... Because we saw last season when he uh, he drove off to find somewhere else to live. Yeah, yeah, not a good. Like, you know, out of the city. Five years ago, that was as well. Keep in mind in the context of the show. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, but you know, the, the idea of oh no, he he can get out. You know, he knows already. He could just go and live somewhere else. He's not tied to New York explicitly. Yeah. Um. Well, the city, yeah, but you know, yeah, somewhere yeah. else in the state or whatever. Yeah. Um. So. No, I mean, like, I think Vincent's story is almost one of the most unpredictable ones because even though the two solutions are really obvious, it's it's just a case of which one, which way is it going to veer, and and should he succeed with those? Yeah, um, and Vincent feels more deserving of a, a happier ending than maybe some of the other characters do. Um, yeah. And this uh, also credit to Franco for directing this episode and playing two two roles at the same time. Yeah, he's directed a bunch, hasn't he? He's directed um, a bunch, but this one especially, I felt like because it was so Vincent and Frankie. Uh, it was yeah yeah more than some others definitely yeah. i was like okay there's some, some cred there and uh yeah so that, that, that was basically his so I'm, I'm curious for that and uh so we'll take the tie from abby which kind of leads into to eileen's stuff which is mm. uh abby asks her to come and speak at a 
at a meeting with the, the woman against pornography because again she's not happy that they're going up again, up to congress and try to like get porn banned because that's the yeah, kind of against the free speech a- aspect the, getting it banned at a federal level and so uh, just in individual states yeah so the she goes in and there's a couple of scenes with eileen don't get me wrong she's with cory stoll and like they're kind of you know they're at these weird performance art things and yeah she's she's talent scouting she's talent scouting and getting kind of these weird like oh you play the reindeer the actors <laughs> the whole thing yes but her her whole ethos is hey if they can make this this the stupid shit sound decent then they must be pretty good yeah yeah that's her it's almost a cheat sheet she's not even doing it properly she's just she's got she's got like a really extreme like thing she's looking for yeah so always tell but she comes into this meeting she's trying and the whole point of course is that you know it was like like the the, like she's making porn and the idea that her porn is for her and it's even even referred to as fem erotica and then things like that and she's trying to explain and they're showing you know red wolf uh, that she made last season yeah and like, I love that, you know, before you even see it, you you, you hear the howling. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. they're watching that. Yeah, we know what they're watching. And she tries to explain, you know, what it's about and how, you know, it's about her voice. And, you know, just because others, you know, don't feel this way doesn't necessarily mean that her voice should be, you know, shut because of that. And you can kind of see where this scene's going early on and you feel kind of uncomfortable in a way where... Eileen hears a lot of things, and while you may agree or disagree with some of the things that are said, I think it's very clear that Eileen maybe didn't consider some of the things that are said to her in yeah. this scene really ever before. Where you know these people who are quite rude to her, don't get me wrong, but they they kind of like point out that just because you were successful in this line, because you went through prostitution and then being a porn star, and then ultimately to the level of success you're at now, for every one of you, there's at least a couple of dozen who you know, haven't made it anywhere, who have died young, who or who have, you know, ended up somewhere else. Yeah. And and this is all, you know, fair. Uh, I I think the 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 logical response is is kind of go, well, yes, there's the that's to say, you know, okay, we can have protections, but there's no need for an outright ban, right? Yeah. Oh she's too but she's too gobsmacked. But she's, she's, she's too caught up in yeah. it, yeah. She's too she's too uh caught in the moment to think yeah. that clearly. And because when even she gets outside and Abby comes to apologize because she kinda of put her in that situation she says, maybe I need to hear some of that. You know, maybe these are things that she's never quite considered. And obviously, obviously we've never seen anything that suggests Eileen, uh, her, her sets treat anyone badly. Everyone's, you know, happy enough on her set and whatever, but she's never necessarily tried to look In- beyond interestingly that. Interestingly enough, I think pretty much all the, the, the New York porn that we've seen on the sets has had that kind of feeling. You know, everyone's been pretty respectful. You know, well, it was it's when we went to LA that it was so different. Uh, from what yeah, from what we've seen, that's true. Um, I I don't necessarily think it, it excludes the New York stuff though. From what we've no, seen, no, no, just... I, I, I don't think it's exclusive. It's just that you know we've happened to see it through a lens of characters that we know and usually are pretty decent people. Yeah, well, I, I think it's that, but I think it's also like it, it, that, that doesn't account for the idea of like how some of the girls ended up there and why they're doing this. Oh, like, yeah, they're sure. doing this yeah. because they're struggling and because they feel like they have no choice, as opposed to oh, I actually want to be a part of this. I'm choosing to yeah. be this because I want to be in this business. No, that's fair. Uh, so there's there's elements to it. It's definitely a nuanced conversation, which is very black and white in the scene. And maybe that's the whole yeah. point: is that black and white doesn't really quite handle a conversation like this. Um, so, but you know, it's kind of a hard hitting scene. And I, I think it. What I like about it from Eileen's perspective is that it hits her with some some ideas that are some something that her character hasn't really 
Because Eileen's always been a character for us that has been very strong-willed, who's never had a pimp, who's been determined to make it on her own and always been independent. And she's always felt very strong because of that. Um, but I think the interesting question here for her, look, reflecting on herself and us reflecting on the character is, but is the point here not that not everyone should have to be this strong to make it. Like some people should be able yeah. to ask for help that, you know, just because she was able to like force her way through, you know, t- you know, tooth, you know tooth and nail and was able to stay that independent. Like it shouldn't have to be that much of a, a, a lonely road. It, sh- it should be something where you can rely on others. There should be a structure to help kind of thing. Yeah. And is that something that she then considers like maybe she can give back in a way or something? I don't know, but it's asking some interesting questions and it's looking again i mean this show's got a very nuanced look at everything it presents as characters who do look at it in very black and white but it does give us a, a nuanced approach to a lot of the ideas that it's, it's talking about it does and it's funny how you know you know obviously some things have changed but yeah something's happening you know, the idea of i mean just right now you have an ex disney star going hey i'm gonna direct porn because i want to mm. and it's the same idea of you know you know just strong arm the way in you know and well you know it's doing this for me but you know maybe some other people they're still not choosing necessarily it's you know maybe they feel oh yeah I'm, oh i'm sure there's there's uh oh yeah cor- corruption and like people who are forced into it and all sorts of horrible oh, things uh like that is definitely still a thing there's no doubt about that yeah so no i think it's an interesting scene it's an interesting thing to put her character because she's been so strong the whole time and i think it's it's an avenue for her character that we've not really explored from this lens. We've not really looked at it from this side, point of view, this side of mm. things. Uh, we've seen her kind of succeed and sort of fight through it, but we've never really stopped to say, well, should she have had to have done it this way? Should she have had to have went through yeah. this path kind of thing? Uh, so, so that's really, really interesting stuff. Um, and there's lots of other little tidbits, of course, throughout the episode. Uh, we have uh, Black Frankie is arrested for attempted murder, uh, even though we know he was trying to save someone's life because the John at the hotel uh, <laughs> wanted what? them to feed him something. Lobster. It was lobster. Lobster. That was it. You don't forget a detail like that. Uh, well, <laughs> clearly you do. Why did he feed him lobster whilst, whilst they got off was the was the phrase that was used. And Frankie tries to do the pen trick with his, uh, with his throat. But it looks like, but the people who run in, the hotel security or whoever who run in, just assume he's trying to kill him. It, uh, I mean, it does look like he's just stabbed a dude in the throat with a pen. It does. Uh, it does. It makes sense to me. I know what he's doing, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we know that. And we know, you know, hey, he's a good guy. He's doing his best. He's doing his best, yeah. Uh, so that's a that's a, a knot that has to be untied. Um, Rudy's also pissed that the girls are out in calls so often that there's no one left at the parlor to take care he of him. Can't get laid in his own whorehouse. He's pretty disappointed. That was the phrase, yes. Uh, so they're calling around. Rudy's been stressed because uh, business ain't doing so hot as we as we see. Yeah. Although I mean, obviously these call- these callouts are doing well, as Bobby tells us in the episode. But yeah, yeah. And another big plot, of course, is Alston uh, trying to deal with uh, this this building, this this hotel that's been used by the prostitutes. Uh, has some of the cops undercover. Uh, they arrest some people. Basically, they're trying to like, do enough arrests and get enough convictions from that on that premises to like, be able to lock it up. But even then, there's legal red t- red tape to to jump through. Um, the frustration here is that a lot of the uh, the law is kind of done in the favor of property owners, like which goes back to you know property being the intents of the law. I guess in the yeah. actual paperwork, that's still true. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's also just about the the timing. It's like, yeah, we've got enough to to actually have a case here, or we will do. You know, given a little bit more time. Yeah, but it's not quick enough to solve the problem. So he goes to the Karate Kid to do something a little bit off books. Yeah, do something about shady, and this is something we'll never really see Alston do. I don't think is is go outside the law to achieve something quick enough. 
and you know gets a bit of arson <laughs> a bit, bit of arson done so the fire marshal comes in and you know pulls apart at it it's uh I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting little beat. But he does uh, also, him and the, the, the lady cop that he's been into, uh, also shack up. So, uh, yep. the, uh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah. Yeah. Again, things just moving forward over there. Things moving forward. and Still yeah. feels quite separate to everyone else. But, I mean, I'm sure it'll play in. Well, I think it's always going to feel separate until literally the effect of them, you know, changing yeah. the neighborhood kicks in. I think it's, I think it's the whole point is, is that it's kind of like this, this umbrella over everything. I think, I think it feels separate at the minute because if you go back to the start of the show when you know when when the cops and the pimps and you know the girls were all having you know their standoffs and you know with mm. the vans, like, it, it didn't feel very separate then. But these days, it does. Um, I'm sure again, you know, I say it'll come back together at the end. Yeah. No, you're right. So. No, I mean that was that was pretty much the episode. Uh, it was a very strong one again. I think three and four really upped the ante from the first couple. Uh, yeah. A lot more strong emotional beats. It's really prodding at interesting questions. Uh, looking at things because because the whole the, the whole protest and stuff, especially, has been very kind of like a background thing up until this point. And this is the first time I think it's really been like sh- not sh- shoves not the right word, but like unleashed onto one of our main characters where the, the questions really happy. matter now. You know, like we're we're. Like before, it was okay. It's doing this almost as a like just like just like AIDS in in the sense that it's okay. Part of the time period, it's something that's going on, and it's like some sort of background history things that are happening. But this is the first time it feels like no, it's directly actually affecting the choices that one of our main characters is making. So now we're actually yeah. really prodding at it and thinking about what does this mean? Uh, how does this work for for a character like Eileen? How does this affect her judgment? Does she change the way she does things because of it? Does it inform who she is? Does it you know? Does it do anything? Does she reconsider how she she is because it's a big, because it's making a character maybe think that way at least a little bit? It feels a lot more relevant now than it was before. So. Yeah, it's a big episode yeah. in that sense because it's, it's pulling things that way. Uh, also, it's like filler making touch. I liked uh, when Alston goes to talk to the Karate Kid and they clear out the little office area so that it's just them talking. Uh, there's one shot where it cuts to the opposite side of the line, and if you don't know what I mean by that, you know, uh, there's a rule in filler making. Something that's called the 180 degrees rule. Something that's called crossing the line, uh, where you've got a line between your two actors and you always kind of shoot them from that same side. So all the shots are all on the same side. Um, and sometimes you do cross the line for an effect, uh, and sometimes you know, uh, depending on what's happening, you can you can break the rule, whatever. Uh, filmmakers can do it for effect. Here it's used um, for for like a two layered thing. On the one hand, it's because someone walks into the room and it's them looking over at him as he walks past to make sure he's gone, and they have to like show the other side of the room for that for that to make sense. Uh, not, well, not necessarily. You could make the choice to just show, show it from, like, you know, past the guy's shoulder or something like that as he walks past. You because, could, but it's, a, it's an obvious way of showing it. Yeah, but it's an obvious way, way to choose to do it. Uh, but the the real reason for this shot, I think, that I think works for the for this the scene here. It's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that Alston is crossing a lane. He is literally crossing a lane by coming and asking for this favor. Yeah. Uh, well, I say favor. I mean, Karate Kid. I say it's going to cost a lot, so presumably he gets paid. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. But I mean. Yeah, it, it's he's crossing this line that he never usually does. He's usually very moral and, you know, okay, yeah. letter of the law and all that. Yeah. And this time he's going, Joe, you know what? Maybe you dirty guys have have something I need. Yeah. So there you go. And, you know, it's worth mentioning that this is all about money because it's all about this $30 million, uh, you know, development fund. Yeah, which is why it needs to go so fast because yeah. they're not willing to wait long for, for it to go through the, the full process. So you know, so yeah, just a little bit of film making there. I thought I thought it was just a simple little thing, but it just it was because this this show, while it's very confidently directed, doesn't tend to be too flashy. You know, it doesn't tend to have a it's lot. It's not of... flashy, no. Um, but 
it knows what it's doing. It always works for its, you know, the, the effect that it's going for. And this here, I mean, even this isn't a particularly flashy trick, right? Mm. Um, but it's a it's a conscious choice that it made for a reason. Not, you know, it, it wasn't a mistake. It was like, no, we know what we're doing. We know why they do, we're doing this now, and it'll work. Yeah. Also, Connor's got his phone vibrating on Mike, uh, like a unprofessional bastard. How dare he? You say that it's been vibrating the entire time, and that's the first time it's been picked up. Picked up once is enough. I don't care. Well, unprofessional. I it was safe, clearly, because it hasn't moved. Unprofessional. Therefore, uh-huh. it's not safe. Therefore, it was the you can't have it there and oh. not have it silenced. Well, there was a reasonable assumption when it had gone off three or four times already, and it wasn't being picked up, and then it didn't move, and this time for some reason it did. <laughs> I, it? I don't know what happened there. You can you can wrangle your way out of this. You just you messed up, and that's the end of it. All right, that's just it. Anyway, that has been a review of the Deuce episode four, season three. Let us know what you think of the episode in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the channel, you can head over to patreon.com slash mailfuzztv, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month and keep all the content coming and, uh, you know, feel warm and fuzzy in the inside and get some extras and bonuses for your for your troubles. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV, guys. Have you got any vanilla?